Hey team, welcome, welcome to the ABM Voice podcast. Great to have you here. How's it going? Yeah, thank, thanks for having me, Ron. Nice to nice to be here and talk a little bit more about ABM. Absolutely, all my interest. Uh, let's just start by having you do a quick introduction of yourself, right? Some kind of what you do, the, the organization, and things like that. Yeah, of course. So my name is Dean. Um, I'm in a account-based marketing strategist role, and I work for a company called Xgrowth. And so um, in my role, I work with a lot of B2B SaaS, particularly helping them with, with ABM campaigns. So um, we do specialize predominantly in the APAC market, so helping yeah. teams scale out into the region, um, particularly on, on, on startups. And we help from really, really fundamentals in terms of you know strategy and like how do you select your accounts and what does success look like how do you create a campaign journey map uh, all the way through to you know putting messaging together creating assets all of those kind of things so we're very much right. an, an end-to-end agency awesome uh so talking about APAC, specifically the australian new zealand region right so What's the state of ABM in terms of maturity, the adoption, <laughs> the awareness of the kind of thing? Yes, that the ABM program and willingness to try something. Yeah, that's, that's a, a really good good question. Um, so what I, what I would say is, if you're comparing the ANZ market and the US market, there's a very big right. kind of difference there in terms of like technology right. maturity and and things like that. Um, right from our our perspective, what we see is typically there's not as many resources in ANZ. So maybe there's a head of marketing or a marketing manager that's kind of leading the way. And so ABM is yeah. like one of many things that, that, that they manage. And so yeah. the, the big kind of difference there is they have a few different hats. And so they're often starting out with ABM. Uh, maybe they're a bit unaware of how to track things or how to actually get a campaign off the ground um and so they're still in that that early early stage of adoption um what i would say also is it's pretty well known like what abm is um but people actually kind of take the action on it is is quite small so uh it's something a lot of new organizations we we work with are taking it on um you know every you know few weeks a week talking to new people um that's a gradual process and they're, they're definitely Kind of getting there. Are there any specific in, uh, industries who are sort of leading like XAS, uh these sort of companies compared to traditional industries who are willing to try out new things like ABM puts out? I mean, you know what? I'd say from an ABM perspective, the ones that are definitely leading the, the way are the companies that have very, very high sales. So, you know, your companies like Oracle, your Salesforce, things like that, just because yep. they have really, really big uh, accounts that are spending millions, if not hundreds of millions in, in deals. So they're the, the companies that we've seen and really kind of push the boundaries from, from ABM. But it's more of a general uh-huh. stance. Um, I definitely think SaaS is probably leading the way from an ABM perspective, okay. um, but also some like IT service providers are also pretty pretty close on the trail as well. Okay. Okay. So 
typically what type of ABM engagements do you have with your clients? Like you talked about Oracle and those kind of companies, right? So I'm assuming you will do like a lot of one-to-one, one-to-few kind of programs compared to, let's say, a B2B SaaS company, maybe just about starting for example, right? So they're like, so in general, like what is the mix in terms of one-to-many? Yeah, I think that, that that's a, a really good question. So it really does depend on the, the business itself. So looking at things like uh, the maturity of the organization, how much they sell for, what is the sales process like, how what's their go-to-market strategy. Um, most of the companies that, that we deal with are probably sitting somewhere in the 10 to 200K annual contract value. Um, okay. And in, in that case, what we see typically work really well for a first ABM is focusing mm-hmm. on that one to few stage. So you get the okay. benefits of having a slightly wider account list than you would from a one to one, but you also mm-hmm. do get that level of personalization that you might not get from a programmatic. Um, right. And so what what's also been really good in that is if you do it a one to few campaign, it's a great way to build a relationship with sales and learn a little bit more about how they work and, and go from there. And then that's when you can yeah. start thinking about how do we have an always on programmatic campaign? How do we scale accounts up into a one-to-one? Uh, and it gives you a yeah. few more options rather than kind of going maybe on a programmatic to begin with. Got it. So send ABM strategies, uh, strategies to yourself, right? So let's say there is a startup which is like sort of wanting to implement ABM. Uh, first of all, what sort of maturity would you expect from those sort of companies to like get started with ABM? First of all? And what are what is the process that you generally advise in terms of getting started, like designing, scaling, and starting to really scale for itself? Yeah, so that, uh, a really good question. What what I would say is a lot of the uh, the content and everything you see online, it's very much showing you this perfect picture of ABM. So you've got this company that knows it all, has it all yep. planned out. It's this perfect moving system. Um, and what I would right. say is don't get too caught yeah. up in in looking at that. Yeah. Um, what I would do in, in my experience looking at it from a startup perspective is how can we just get something up and going? So maybe have a chat to the sales team or have a look at your current customer list and see if you can see if there's any themes there across those, those customers. And then you can do something okay. as simple as working with a sales team, putting a list together and just doing a really simple campaign, maybe some outreach or some advertising or an event and just keep it super, super right. simple. And then each campaign just kind of build on top of that. Um, we don't need okay. to boil the ocean in, in, in the one go. And so, yeah, you know, that that's that's my approach. I think you know, start scrappy, start small. You don't need a big budget, and then once you do Look. have those foundations really locked in and um, good to go, that's when you can explore Perfect. like bringing in tools or bringing in external resources or kind of going a little bit further. But to begin with, I think keep it keep it nice and simple. Are there any like minimum size that you recommend? In terms uh, of the target account size list, well, I would say if you're beginning, you probably want to stay somewhere in the 
20 to 100 account range, I think, just to, just to begin with. Um, with any less than that, then you have you don't have wide enough scope to to maybe see some results quite early on. Um, and if you go any further than that, then it's a very like low touch campaign. Um, so some, somewhere in there is probably a, a really good starting point. Sure. So what would be the dipstick? So you started with let's say fifty accounts, right? And you have to end this copy rail starting getting started with yeah. What are the let's say the indicators that they should look for, right? To assess whether or not this investment is actually going towards where they would like to go and what are the corrective actions that they have to do, right? So what would be those touch points uh, or interventions that you need to really figure out like whether things are going in the right direction? Yeah, I think um, very much the, the foundations of ABM is looking at the three R's. So okay. reputation, relationships, and, and revenue. And so when putting a campaign together, I think it's really good to kind of have a look at the accounts and, and make some kind of tangible numbers in terms of what you're you're looking to see. So whether you're having mm-hmm. a certain percentage of accounts engage with you on your online advertising, maybe a percentage of the accounts uh, booking meetings and speaking with the sales team, uh, and then even a, another smaller number of accounts are you know transitioning to a, an opportunity. And so if you're running that over a, a period, then you can look back and be like, are we are we getting some results? Are we heading the right way? Um, so it's really good to look at those things. Um, but it's also good to speak to sales and say, you know, are you enjoying uh, enjoying this, uh, the conversations you're having good? Um, and so you've got that qualitative and quantitative approach and you're kind of going off both as you as you continue to develop. Okay. So sticking to the early stage B2B companies. So let's say there's something that's working for them, traditional lead gen sort of programs that they are running. They want to get into ABM. How do you advise them to connect these two programs? Right? And then it's not like very tightly integrated, but how do you connect these two programs? Yeah, that, that, that's another common question we, we do see because a lot of people coming to us with a really strong, you know, demand gen approach and they're wondering like, how do I do both? Do I drop one? Do I kind of, and how do I navigate that? Um, but I, what I would say right. is they can definitely live in, in, in tandem. So it's good to have that, you know, lead gen, demand gen approach as more of a broader, your entire total addressable market. And then what we can do mm-hmm. is through analysis of like looking at um, customers and how much revenue they bring in, what you can do is segment that into smaller groups and try and build it off off the back of that. So, you know, you have this base layer of the uh, lead gen model, whether it's, you know, SEO, your advertising, your webinars, whatever, and then having that ABM sit on top of that. So whether an example of this might be you're running a one to few campaign you have an you have an event but you really want these top 50 accounts to to, to attend potentially you might have a heightened level of advertising you might have a direct mail piece you might actually have some outreach directing people to that event 
Um, so then there's, there's a few ways you can look at it, but I think definitely keeping in mind and, and making sure that their boat's kind of churning along, uh, I think that's a, a really good way to start. So it seems that you're like larger, one too many programs feeding into the one too few periodically based on case that they're showing and then you get them into very tighter focused marketing swap a few programs uh is that how it is being done or you're advising yeah so that would be i'd say that's like the ideal next step so you know first you have your traditional lead gen demand gen approach that's happening and then what you would do is in my recommendation try a one to view campaign try and build that relationship with sales, generate some results and really get their their buying. And then once you've got that really locked in, that's when you can explore that programmatic side of things and having an always on campaign of looking at accounts that are either a really good ICP fit or on the other side of things, there's maybe some level of intent data, whether that's first or third party. Um, and having that as like this always on engine that flags accounts to the sales reps and then they can go from there and be like oh, okay um, Commonwealth Bank we're having we're getting some really good engagement here that indicates to me that we need to you know be a bit more personalized to them and maybe do you know a one to few or one to one approach depending on what makes most sense for your business So would you want those accounts which are engaged, right? So through some marketing interventions and then hand it over to sales or is it the other way around typically? How's your approach? Uh, so always typically from a, a base level, it's, it's very much marketing led. Uh, and then what we would right. typically do is we'd have some level of sales development in, in there as well. So that would be helping on the actually reaching out to accounts and booking in conversations. And then once we've generated that interest, that's when we want to start transitioning that conversation over to the account executive. Uh, Dean, I just want to switch gears and and talk a little bit about the enterprise engagement models. For example, you, you guys work with a lot of this uh, large companies, right? So typically these are global conglomerates. And uh, it would seem that they would have an ongoing global program, right? So how do you take that and customize for the local needs? Right? Do you have any experience on those lines? And if so, what is the process that you face up? Yeah, so that, that's a, a really, really good question. So with some of the larger companies that we deal with, what we see is that the head office will often manage more of the programmatic side of things. So that will be more mm-hmm. the wide scale um, targeting key accounts. I think where mm-hmm. regionally we would come in is um, around defining what accounts that we want to target. So helping provide lists to mm-hmm. them and insights on where we're winning and where we want to target. And then mm-hmm. from a local perspective, what we would do is run more of those one to few and one to one campaigns. And so the reason that is, is because APAC is a very complex market in terms of 
there's a lot of different geographies, different cultures, different languages. And so having that ability to slightly tinker approaches um, and make sure that it makes sense in, in that context is, is really important. Yeah. Um, so for example, sure. let, like for if you were doing some kind of SDR outreach, what you would say to someone running an organization yeah. in Japan would be extremely different than what you would see reaching out to someone in, in, in Australia. So they're probably the, the biggest sure. biggest things. Uh, and I as well notice that the head office often does a lot of work from on the data side of things. So, you know, making sure that integrations in Salesforce or other pools like ABM platforms and other tools and just making sure mm-hmm. that they're all cohesive, the sales reps and the marketing teams are getting the information they need. Um, to make sure mm-hmm. that they are being fast in, in getting those approaches up and going. Um, larger organizations, right, especially the big enterprises, right, typical problem that you would, like, I'm sure that you're coming across is that sales and marketing are working in silos, right? So there is not too much of alignment. When you take that sort of a situation and then wanting to do something like an ABM which requires a lot of collaboration between those two functions, right? So it's oftentimes it's very challenging, right? How do you overcome? So are, what are the, uh, let's say, methodologies or some ideas that you guys implement that could be used for others, used by others? Yeah, that, that, that's. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that, that we see and it's um, something that we're quite strong in and I think to build a, a strong ABM plot, like foundation within your company sales and marketing alignment is probably the number one factor if you have someone on the sales team that won't give you any top line, won't give you any effort uh, and you can't build that relationship it becomes extremely difficult um, and what yeah. I would say in terms of really breaking down yeah. those silos is just making sure that you speak the language of, of sales. So one mm-hmm. of the big things that we see is sales don't really care about how many impressions or clicks there are. Um, that's not really anything that they, they care that's about. Great. And so we need to make sure that we're sort of talking about things that they, they care about. So whether it's are the accounts getting exposed to information that we want them to consume, are we having meetings in those accounts and building those relationships? Um, are we generating opportunities? Are they attending events? Those kind of things that give them more opportunities to build relationships with, especially those those really top tier accounts. That that is the the foundation of what we're trying to do. So um, definitely shifting how you would track a campaign. And speaking more into the language of a, a salesperson, right? So these conversations, do you have directly? Do you sort of mediate between these two functions, right? When you're working with larger organizations, are you let or you enable the marketing teams to go and then build their relationships? So what we typically do is we're we're very much in that conversation as as well. So we'll help bring them together will help identify who they should be speaking with um, and as well as guiding those combinations. So it's very much a 
collaborative approach between us as an external party and the marketing team um, and making sure that we're giving the marketing team everything that they need to kind of handle those conversations the right way and and build those relationships um, correctly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, again, different line of question. So, let's say you have this handful of accounts that you wanted to do, want a few, maybe just like trickle down from your demand gen, right? So you have this, it's a 10 accounts, 20 accounts that you now pulled into one campaign, right? Uh, so, what are the different activations or touch points that you would have depending on how these accounts are progressing? Right, so what channels would you like uh, leverage? Right, what kind of content? Right, so how do you progress these accounts with once you're trying to do a very focused one to few kind of a program for this twenty-hour account? That I just took it as an example. Yes, I think it, it can vary quite a a lot. Like, so what a company like uh, Zoom yeah. would look at from like a one to few is quite different than an Oracle one to few. Um, but I think. From a broad scope, from a metric, uh, from a tactics side of things, what we see quite well is um, uh, specific advertising or events, maybe an outreach piece, so we're actually engaging with them on a uh, one-to-one level. There could be direct mail pieces involved there as well. And then even things like putting together custom content too, so... That could be looking at industry content that's relevant to all of the accounts. Uh, could be pain point or technology based content. Um, whatever the kind of grouping, whatever was used to group the accounts, that's kind of what we would build the the content on. Um, and so that Maybe. that way that what they're reading is extremely relevant to the account. Okay. I just wanted to what what do you what kind of message typically goes as part of the direct mail outreach? Is it like more gifting sort of thing or is it like sending some thought leadership articles or books or anything like that? Like how, how are you leveraging that channel? Uh so so what what we do internally is we create a value proposition for that specific cluster of accounts. And then based on that cluster, we do something called um, KP creating a, um, a campaign theme. And so that's just like a creative okay. kind of storytelling way to maybe better tell a story rather than going, oh, hey, we're Zoom, we're so great, we're the best. Um, speaking sure. more into the customer's um, problems. So, right. you know, it could be something very simple like... Um, just like one little bit of information or like one piece of content we've printed and send it to them. Um, but it also can get quite complicated. Like, um, for example, we did like a, a backup kit for a cybersecurity company and I had a heap of different little camping goods, a Swiss Army knife, um, some customized um, content to, and basically everything that you would need if there was like a catastrophic event that, that occurred. So... Um, there's yeah. a lot of different ways to, to do it. I think what we've seen is the really bespoke um, direct mail pieces that have yielded the, the best results. Okay. 
So how do you measure the effectiveness of that? Do they come back and then provide information or do you follow up with a phone call or something like that? Or how do you know that this thing that you've done through this direct mail is sort of a touch point, right? How does it lead to something of value? Yeah, so typically the direct mail would be one part of an entire sequence. And so through that process, um, whether it's the account executive or the BDR, they'll be engaging with that person reaching out. And so through that process, they're usually yeah. like, oh, thank you so much, everyone, for sending me this this package. I'd love to have a chat and learn a little bit more. And then that's kind of going into those yeah. sales metrics that we, we spoke about earlier. Okay. Okay. Okay, makes sense. Uh, I just wanted to... Uh, just go to the next question which is around attribution which relates to the previous question right so when you do multiple things right especially when you're doing a one to few one to one type of an, uh, an ABM campaign right so multiple uh, disconnected channels sometimes like direct mail that you would basically have to leverage right which essentially means for that there are like you're creating a lot of the data silos right is that a problem for you uh, currently or if not, how have you overcome, right? Because these channels, right? So not everybody or all channels allow you to integrate and have the single sort of a view, right? So there are typically, invariably, if you're running a, a large program, right? So there is data sitting in systems, there is CRM, thing automation, those things can be obviously connected. But let's say things like direct mail or an event that you've run and things like that, right? So how do you manage the data silos and how do you make sure that it's not affecting your attribution? Yes, that, it's a, it is a tricky one. I think it very much comes back to how mature you are as an organization in more of a general okay. sense as well as um, ABM. So, you know, what are you looking, what does your backup system look like? How are you actually pulling that data in it and making sense of it? Um, Bob, many startup organizations most of the time it's often very hard to to do something like that and so mm-hmm. what you probably need to go off is more qualitative data whether you're getting some mm-hmm. positive messages um, from a direct mail perspective maybe that i might share it on social media for example things like that can really mm-hmm. give you an indication of whether it's working um better but sometimes in the early days, you might need to go just off a, a general kind of feel based yeah. on the feedback the, the sales reps received, um, maybe the SDR and, and things like that. And then once you kind of build that trust within the organization and then they're aware that it works, um, that's yeah. when you can look into using different platforms or tools or, you know, gifting platforms that have a little bit more of a a tracking element to it and, and that way you can have okay. a more holistic view of the the, the customer okay uh taking to the challenges right so unlike uh let's say companies having their own marketing functions and then managing the entire processes right so for agencies they service different type of customers different stages of maturity different tools different processes right as an agency Right? So how do you sort of manage the problem? Do you, do you sort of like look for that specific tool that basically makes it easy for you to manage 
regardless of what the uh, kind of customers or clients that you're using. And if so, what would be an idle tool look like for you? Yeah, that that's a, a really good question. I think it would be awesome if you know, everyone used the same things and it was all super easy and sweet and you just jumped in and you knew exactly what was happening. Um, from, from our perspective, just, just because there is that variance in the market, we have to be very agnostic in terms of our recommendations, what our clients are using, and just making sure that we're well-versed over everything and we can make sure that we are delivering the best experience for our, our clients. Um, from a tool perspective, like it, would, it would be great if there, there was. I think obviously one of the biggest barriers is just the, the cost, especially for someone starting out on their, their ABM journey. And you know, If they haven't done any ABM before, is it worth spending $50,000 on the ABM tool? Probably not, I would say. Um, I would probably spend more time building that foundation and the sales and marketing alignment that we discussed earlier. And then once you do have buy-in, everyone's like, how can we do this ABM stuff more and faster? That's when you start looking at you know, those tools that you can do broad-scale IP targeted, look at intent, things like that. Um, but from a foundation perspective, very much around just getting things up and running and getting some quick wins. I think, I think this has been a great discussion, so although we had some situations in, in between, interruptions in between, uh, this has been great. Thank you for sharing your uh, your, your insights, thoughts. Right? I really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, there was any final thoughts that you wanted to just put it across, please go ahead. And also, like, if people wanted to reach out to you, what's the best channel, the way to get in touch with you? Yeah, um, really appreciate the time. Aron, was a, a good session. We touched on a lot in this, this short period. Um, I think what yeah. our biggest takeaway is, you know, ABM doesn't have to be big and scary. Start simple, start small, yeah. um, and really play that long game. I think that's the most important side of things. Um, and then if anyone wants to connect with me, I'm on linkedin dean mcginnis um, and yeah, that's the, the best place i post from time to time so any questions or any thoughts feel free to send me a message uh, thanks again sure we make sure that we link it in the show description but uh dean thanks again thanks so much